0: To the nursery workers, uh, we have and we need two more volunteers willing to serve. So, if you're interested, please contact Jolene. And a meeting will be held for all the volunteers on May 20th. Uh, the nursery is getting a makeover, older toys have been removed and are available to anyone who would like to take them. Do we, are they all gone by now? Again? A week late. Here I am. Uh, our open bowling was yesterday, uh, May 12th at Garlicks. Uh, a great time was had by all. A one caveat to this is if you are bowling and you have cell phones, do not leave them on the tables when you're bowling. Some little miscreant took my phone and took pictures and now I have a permanent locked screen with their smiling faces on it. I know who you are. Actually, it was kind of cute. So, uh, Adult Bible study, uh, 6.30 p.m. at Jared and Andrea's home on the 18th. Uh, we have new Acts and Facts here for the month of May. And if you would like to help with the social calendar... Uh, we would love to have your input. Please see Jessica if you are interested. And for our texting contact, we have Andrea Luke. Uh, she, she's in the bulletin here. You can contact her number if you uh, have something that needs to go out on the prayer chain of request. Uh, are there any other. George? George? The Mother's Day gifts on the on the table.
1: Yes, and that is for all the ladies of the church,
0: not just mothers. So Please take one. Just and Dale, so far, you. Dale, you can take one too.
1: <laughs>
0: so, one more. Thank
1: you. Um, the Bible study that's supposed to be at our house may not be at our house. Look, look to the church um, church website the website and the, the, the facebook the, the, page I'll, the facebook.
0: I'll post it on there. Yep. Okay, so if you might be
1: a change of location.
0: Okay, so just stay stay on top of that and, and if necessary contact a, uh, Andrea for it. Uh, anything else? Anybody got anything else? Okay, our, our scripture for meditation comes from the book of Acts, chapter 17, verses 16 through 31. That would be uh, page 1723 in your pew Bible. Would you please stand with us as we start with our opening prayer? Father in heaven, as we come before you this day, Lord, we come with gladness in our hearts that we may worship a right, godly, and just Lord of lords and King of kings, We thank you for the ability to congregate in this little house, your house, O Lord. And we pray, Lord, that your Holy Spirit would move amongst us as we lay our prayers and our petitions at your feet, as we study the word and as we sing joyous songs. And, Father, through all of this, we pray your, your spirit would move in such a way that souls would be convicted, hearts opened, and that you would draw the lost to you. Be with us this hour, Lord. Be with the pastor as he brings forth the message, Let the message that falls from his lips, prick the hearts of the lost, and turn them toward salvation. Lord, we ask this in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and our Savior. Amen. Please stand for our opening hymn.
1: Take your red hymnal, the Trinity hymnal, and turn to number one. Number one in the red trinity. In the brown, can I ask you to pick another one because, um, because we, we have oh. we changed the hymns, so the next two hymns aren't what they say in oh, the um, okay. in the in your bulletin, but I have the change up here. <laughs> I'm sorry, um, yeah. We're I, I just did. Did I not say that? So we have the it's the next on our list is that hymn. Oh, okay, so you, get free pick. so you get another free pick. <laughs> so we are going to sing 535 just in a minute, yes, ma'am.
2: Yep, be my vision. I think it's in the brown, I think. 382.
1: 382 in the brown. And it's her favorite, so she she didn't give me a reason.
0: If you'll once again stand with us as we do our scripture reading this morning. Scripture reading is taken from the book of Psalm 139, verses 1 through 24, page 974
3: in the Bible. Very beautiful and wonderful Psalm, Psalm 190. Or 139, excuse me. <clears throat> o Lord, you have searched me and you know me. You know when I sit and when I rise. You perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out and my lying down. You are familiar with all my ways. Before a word is on my tongue, you know it completely, O Lord. like the day, for darkness is a light to you. For you created my inmost being, and you knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place." Where I was woven together in the depths of the earth, your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. How precious to me are your thoughts, O God! How vast is the sum of them! Were I to count them, they would outnumber the grains of sand. When I awake, I am still with you. If only you would slay the wicked, O God, away from me, you bloodthirsty men. They speak of you with evil intent, your adversaries misuse your name. Do I not hate those that hate you, O God, and abhor those who rise up against you? I have nothing but hatred for them, I count them as my enemies. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me, and lead me in the way everlasting. May God bless his word.
1: Take your brown hymnals again this time and turn to five hundred and thirty-five, five three five. 535. 535.
4: Our scripture text this morning is back to Psalm 139. We're going to turn the fans on, and if uh, it gets too chilly in here, then we'll shut them back off. Psalm 139. Last time we were together, we began a new series entitled Joy Unspeakable. And we learn that what gives us joy as believers is different from those whose joy is in things evil. Our new nature, born of the spirit of God, has new and godly appetites. Those appetites do not take delight in sinful pursuits. This is the basis for why our friends don't want to have anything to do with us anymore. They sense that you have changed. Their terminology is so and so got religion. That's the way they state it. In contrast, we discovered that joy is deep-seated. It's different from happiness. Happiness is the product of happenstance, those things We view as being pleasant based on our value system which come our way in life. Our response to these things is automatic, it's reactionary, it's emotional. Very pointedly, pleasant things make us happy and unpleasant things make us sad. That's happiness. But in contrast, joy is deep-seated. It is contemplative not emotional. It is not automatic, but the result of thinking through things to see their import. There's a cerebralness to joy. It's not reactionary. It's not based on circumstances, but upon an inner peace and reality deeply anchored in God's grace. This enables us to experience real joy in the midst of Can I say it? Sorrowful circumstances. Paul words it this way, 2 Corinthians 6, verse 10. Sorrowful, he says, speaking of himself, sorrowful yet always rejoicing. Sounds like an oxymoron, doesn't it? How can you be sorrowful and yet always rejoicing? I want you to keep this definition of joy in mind as we work through this series. Here it is. Joy is contemplative gladness of heart. Joy is contemplative gladness of heart. You have to think. The root is the Holy Spirit of God, and you and your fellow believers are the branches, the outgrowth of what is going on in the heart. Well, today... We want to look at the subject of the joy of life. And we think of Mother's Day, mothers that gave us life. Goes all the way back to Eve, the mother of life. And as we come to our study, let's pray. Thank you, Heavenly Father, for your word, for the truth of it. The world has a different philosophy with regard to what joy is or what is joy? Us, We take our joy in the things that God says in his word about life and about us. And I pray that you will help us. Be with those that may not know you. Today, may you find them and draw them by your spirit to life, real life and real joy. Happiness comes and goes, but joy... Uh, That is down deep. It remains solid in the heart. And even if we go through sad circumstances, there can be joy in the heart. Bless these truths to us. May you honor yourself. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. We're looking at the subject this morning of the joy of life Quite appropriate when we think of Mother's Day and how life comes to be for all of us. Our text is Psalm 139, and verse 14 says that we are fearfully and wonderfully made. In the original creation, the Genesis account demonstrates that while man was created last by God, his ranking in creation was first. We could say it this way, God saved the best for last. All the rest of creation, think about it, sun, moon, plants, fish, fowl, animals. All of that was preparatory for God's crowning achievement, the creation of man and women. This was not the result of some fanciful notion of evolution. Man is not the advanced image of an ape. But as God himself determined, so God created man in his own image. In the image of God he created him. Male and female he created them. Genesis 1 verse 27. Of no other creature do we read, the Lord God formed the man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life and the man became a living being. Genesis 2 verse 7. King James Version <coughs> it says man became a living soul. Your cat, your dog, your horse, your hamster all have animal life in them but none of them have souls. None of them bear the image of God. God's image is reserved for those who have the potential, and I say potential, now since the fall of sin, the potential of becoming the sons and daughters of God and part of his family. Paul wrote, the God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers so that they cannot see the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. 2 Corinthians 4 verse 4. Similar phraseology ascribed to Adam and Eve, but with this distinction. Let me read it for you from Luke's account of the geology in chapter 3 verse 38. The sun is the radiance of God's glory. This is the Hebrew text. The sun is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful word. Hebrews 1 verse 3. And then Luke's geology identifies the first man as Adam, son of God. That is in the created sense. But Jesus is son of God is God's exact facsimile or image of God. All human beings by reason of God's creation bear the image of God in their life. Now it's a marred image because sin has blighted all that Adam once was. But when the dust settles, mankind is not an evolved ape but still the creation of the chief potter who used his own personage, can I say it that way, as the mold or model from which to cast all mankind. And this is why man has rolling and governing power over all of creation. He received this mandate from God. Let me read it. Then God said, let us make man in our image, in our likeness, and let them rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air, over the livestock, over all the earth, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. Genesis 1, verse 26. We're created in the image of God, so that's why we have ruling power. The godless of our age do not acknowledge this. I mean, if evolution is true, then all the other forms of life have their rights as well as us. And in many cases, according to the EPA, <coughs> they have their rights above us. So if a hydroelectric dam built on a canyon river is going to disturb the mating habits of an obscure species of fish, the project is likely to be killed in deference to the fish, despite the benefit of electricity, to hundreds of thousands of human beings well, What would you think would be the best thing, the sane thing to do? Relocate the fish and build the dam. That's what sanity would do. You see, many of the ills that government and academia foster upon us as human beings is rooted in the denial that mankind is the crowning creation of God in his own image. Human life then becomes cheap, expendable, worth no more than the dead possum along the roadkill. It's also the basis for approving abortion. Babies are just viewed as animal life. Well, cattle, chickens, pigs, they're all expendable. We kill them to eat. People kill babies to feed their selfishness and foster independence, and as a denial of the personal responsibility they have before God. They can't be bothered with, with raising kids. I got my career to think about. So, if it means taking the life of my child, so be it. No. The Bible tells us that human life is special. It is special. It carries in it the genius of God. The psalmist puts it this way. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. Verse 14 of our text. Do you know that? You're fearfully and wonderfully made. The word wonderful comes from a Hebrew word to be distinct, to be separated, to be set apart as being distinguished. Maybe you didn't think of yourself that way, but God uses that word. The word fearfully, to cause astonishment or awe, to inspire reverence or godly fear. We know now that every individual on earth has unique DNA. There are no two alike, not even among twins, identical twins. Part of what studies in the Human Genome Project have unearthed is that every human being is distinct from every other human being by billions and billions of sequence markers in the DNA so that no two of us are absolutely identical. While all of us share 95% similar traits, eyes, ears, limbs, mobility, cognizant skills, barring any deformities, scientists know by studies in chromosome biology that all men can be traced back to the first man, Adam, and the first woman, Eve. But, but they credit evolution with this truth rather than God's unique creation of Adam as the crown of all God's work. It's marvelous then to think about what we're reading in this text. The psalmist without a microscope to his name, without the latest in scientific apparatus, nonetheless came to the truth when he said to God, you created my inmost being, you knit me together in my mother's womb, verse 13. You knit me together. Do you know how special it is to know that truth? God is creator and mankind as his creation is the basis for human existence and human life and living. The acknowledgment of this truth is rare indeed. If we just took this basic truth, it would change people's philosophy with regard to God and religion. So secondly, acknowledgement of God as creator forms the framework for reconciliation. What do we hear from people who disown and disallow God as the creator? Well, any distinction between creator and creature is blurred. The image bearer of God, man, begins to think of himself as equal to God, or worse, superior to God. We have some examples of this in the scripture. King Nebuchadnezzar of the Old Testament was, like King Herod of the New Testament, a great builder. A list of the seven wonders of the ancient world includes the following. Now some of these you will not recognize. Most no longer exist. But at one time, these were considered the seven wonders of the ancient world. Number one. Well, not necessarily number one in in terms of importance. But the great pyramid of Giza found in Egypt was built in 2500 B.C. Still exists. Still there. The statue of Zeus at Olympia. An ivory statue, gold-plated bronze in Olympia, Greece, from which we have the formation of the Olympian Games. Number three, the Temple of Artemis at Ephesus, Acts 19, verse 34, no longer around. Number four, the Mausoleum at Halicarnassus, which is a four sided grave crypt for a prominent satrap, Mausolus, of the Persian Empire, 350 BC from which we get the word mausoleum. You know, we have mausoleums at our cemeteries. Well, it's named after this guy named Mausolus. The Colossus of Rhodes, a giant replica of the Greek god Hellas, 100 feet tall, Hellas being the sun god. It's on, on the island. It was built in 280 B.C. The Lighthouse of Alexandria, Egypt. It's at the harbor. 400 feet tall. Perpetual fire that's never allowed to go out burns. It can be seen for 35 miles out on the Mediterranean Ocean. And then finally, the Hanging Gardens of Babylon. Structure of tiered walls, 400 feet Feet high, containing rich botanical foliage that appeared to be suspended in space because you can't see the wall. All you can see is the foliage. And yeah, that was built by King Nebuchadnezzar for his wife. Listen now to King Nebuchadnezzar's evaluation of his kingdom. Twelve months later, I'm reading scripture. Twelve months later, and that's after Daniel had interpreted the king's dream and had warned him to repent of his arrogance and his sin. Twelve months later, as the king was walking on the roof of the royal palace of Babylon, he said, Is not this the great Babylon I have built as the royal residence by my, Mighty power and for the glory of my majesty. And we read the words were still on his lips when a voice came from heaven This is what is decreed for you, King Nebuchadnezzar. Your royal authority has been taken away from you. You will be driven away from people. You will live with the wild animals. You will eat grass like cattle several times or years will pass by for you until you acknowledge that the Most High is sovereign over all the kingdoms of men and gives them to anyone he wishes. And immediately what had been said about Nebuchadnezzar was fulfilled. He was driven away from people. He ate grass like cattle. His body was drenched with the dew of heaven until his hair grew like the feathers of an eagle and his nails like the claws of a bird. Daniel four, twenty nine through 33. May I just say that had Nebuchadnezzar remembered that he, he was a creature? He was a creature. And God was creator, not him. This would never have happened. Well, God got the glory in the end, as we all know. And he'll get the glory with all men. Seven years, Nebuchadnezzar's like a brute beast grazing on the hillside. We read, at the end of that time, I, Nebuchadnezzar, raised my eyes towards heaven and my sanity At the same time that my sanity was restored, my honor and splendor were returned to me for the glory of my kingdom. My advisors and nobles sought me out and I was restored to my throne and I became even greater than before. Now I, Nebuchadnezzar, praise and exalt and glorify the king of heaven Because everything he does is right and all his ways are just. And those who walk in pride, he is able to humble. Daniel 4, verses 34 through 37. Here's his confession and his confession is born out of his great humiliation. He had to go low before he could come high. Consider as another example Nebuchadnezzar's anti type, King Herod, in the New Testament. King Herod, Agrippa I, was grandson of Herod the Great. Herod the Great is the king that slaughtered all the babies in Bethlehem in an attempt to kill the Christ child. Now his grandson, Agrippa I, was equally bloody, equally ruthless. He executed James, the brother of the apostle John. He planned to do the same with Peter. But God snatched Peter from Herod's prison by sending an angelic emissary to free him. Then the narrative goes on. After Herod had a thorough search made for him, that is Peter, did not find him. He cross-examined the guards and ordered that they be executed. You don't mess with Herod. You let the prisoner escape. That's the way Herod is thinking. So you get executed. And he did. Then Herod went from Judea to Caesarea. Caesarea would be his villa by the sea. His summer house, we might say. And says he stayed there a while. He had been quarreling with the people of Tyre and Sidon. They now joined together and sought an audience with him. Having secured the support of Blastus, a trusted personal servant of the king, they asked for peace because they depended on the king's country for their food supply. I guess if you're an island, yeah, you need to have an exterior source for food. They didn't want to offend Herod, too much. So they use an intermediary to kind of make amends. We read on the appointed day, Herod wearing his royal robes. Joseph, Josephus, the historian, writes that it was a silver robe that glistened in the sun. On the appointed day, Herod sat on his throne and delivered a public address to the people. And they shouted, this is the voice of a God, not of man. And immediately, I'm reading scripture, immediately, because Herod did not give praise to God. An angel of the Lord struck him down and he was eaten by worms and died. You can read about this in Acts 12, 19 and following. Do you see what happened with Nebuchadnezzar and later here with Herod Agrippa? They were men who disowned the basic characteristic of their own existence, namely that they were mere men, creatures of God, subject to God, for all that they were and all that they had. So long as people disown God as creator and try to eradicate their own station in life as creatures, there is no basis for reconciliation with God over their sin. They're in denial. They're self-deceived with a great deal of help from the evil one who doesn't want people to see God as creator and themselves as creatures. Keep them blind. Keep them stupid. Keep them evil and rebellious. That's Satan's motto. And Christ Jesus, God's Son, has come as John wrote about him, saying, He was with God in the beginning, and through him all things were made, and without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness but the darkness has not understood it. The true light that gives light to every man was coming into the world. John 1 verse 2 and following. This creature madness, this creature rebellion towards God continues. It's not only people of power like King Nebuchadnezzar and King Herod who have problems of conceit and arrogance and a God complex that causes them to disown God or minimize his import. The unbelieving and wicked do this every day. They have a vested interest in doing this because if God is who the Bible declares him to be, good, righteous, holy, impeccable in his justice, taking up the cause of the widow and the orphan and the oppressed and not allowing the wicked to sin with impunity. If that's true then it becomes a matter of personal sanity from their viewpoint to disown God. If that's what the Bible teaches about God, we'll just disown him. Disallow it. And if the God of the Bible does not exist or if he is little more than the God of their own imagination then there's no culpability for the evil they dream up and do. It's very simple. Rid God
2: laws.